Hello. This always takes a minute. If you are able, why don't you stand with me and I will read our kind of verse for the day, our memory verse for the week. It's from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God, thank you so much for um, the chance we get to be together. Thank you for the communion that we have the opportunity to experience together, and I pray that we would experience it tenfold today. I pray that your words would uh, come out of my mouth, and that you would speak through your spirit to everyone individually here exactly what you want them to know tonight, even if it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But we trust you. We trust that you're going to tell us what you need to tell us tonight, and we are open and willing to hear it. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. I'm Katie. For those of you that may not know me or may have forgotten, because I forget new people's names too all the time, that is okay. We are moving on in our Anchored series, like Jill said at the beginning. Um, so far, we have talked about these, uh, these anchors in our faith, these things that kind of everything that we believe uh, is kind of um, planted in, is rooted in. Uh, and we've talked about how God is good. That is a truth that we can anchor ourselves to, that God is 100% good. Uh, we've talked about that we are loved by him. We are absolutely, unconditionally loved by him, and that is a non-negotiable. And the one we're going to talk about today is that you are not alone. If you love uh, like movies or books or stories, um, you'll see this like common trope in a lot of different, um, in, in really any genre, you'll find it. Like, you watch a superhero movie, this is what you're seeing. You watch a Disney princess film, you're probably going to see it. You watch a rom-com, probably there. You're watching TV or you're listening to, or you're reading a book, you have probably heard this before, this trope of, like, there's this protagonist, and they feel like they are alone. And they feel like they have to do something alone. And if Susan's already like, I know where she's going with this. They feel like they have to do something alone. Or they feel like they have to fix something by themselves. And then suddenly, at the end of the story, at the end of the movie, at the end of the book, they find that they're not actually alone. A friend comes out of the word work, a family member, somebody, somebody steps up to be in community with them. They find out they've got some sort of wildly rich relative. I would like that. That wouldn't be bad. Um, Jail's got a wildly rich relative. We should share. And so, I just, we see this, right? Like, you guys know the story I'm talking about. This, this moment when it's like, I'm all alone. But then look, maybe I'm not so as alone as I thought I was. And these stories, we keep seeing them come up in all these different places because that's what we're buying, guys. That's what we're watching. That's what we're reading. Why? Because our society wants to know that we are not alone. We want to be reminded, like, yes, it's possible to not be alone, to not be lonely. And I think it's really 
indicative of our culture, because especially Western culture, man, we love the story of not being alone, but we are some of the loneliest people in the world. Sorry, I just talked for a long time and then I'm moving on in my... I think a lot of times we define ourselves by uh, these, these factors that tell us if we're alone or not, right? We, we define ourselves by kind of belonging, whether we belong to people, we belong to somewhere or not, right? We love these kind of stories of not being alone, but we've also organized our lives around these stories of like, I'm part of this group, and I'm part of this neighborhood, and, and I'm part of this church community or something, and we have all these markers. Like if somebody asked you about yourself, you would say like, well, I live here, and I live in this neighborhood, and my kids go to this school, and I go to this church community, or I like to hang out at this place on the weekends, or it's all of these little tiny microcosms of community, of not being aloneness that make us feel not so alone, Right? And so we use these things to define ourselves and to feel like maybe we're not alone. But what happens when we anchor our human need for communion on flawed communities, fleeting jobs, changing neighborhoods, and other imperfect humans? Brene Brown, you might have heard of her, is a professor and an author, and she's done tons of research on like human relationships and the human heart and emotions and kind of like where a lot of things, um, kind of like reactions and things come from for us and how we kind of unpack the things we feel and the things we know. And she talks a lot about, about um, the stories that we tell ourselves. And she will say that something will happen um, like to us in life. We have an interaction with somebody else or, um, you know, something happens in our family or some outside source does something or we act in some way. And a lot of times, instead of, uh, you know, having, like, we get a negative reaction. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. So we'll get a negative reaction to some sort of, some sort of outside stimulus. And instead of like, okay, why am I reacting this way? Why is my heart doing this? Why am I sad about this? Or, or asking another person who maybe the interaction was with, like, what was that about? Instead of getting curious, we will begin to write these stories in our heads. So we'll, we'll begin to say, okay, well, this person didn't speak to me today, so that must mean that they don't really love me and they don't really want to be around me and maybe we're just not really friends, right? Anybody, anybody writing these stories ever? Or this thing happened at work, and instead of asking your boss about it, it's, oh, he must not think that I did a good job, and that means he probably doesn't value me, and this is probably why I haven't had a raise for a while. And then we, we make up all these stories that may not be true, and a lot of these stories lead us into isolation. They lead us into this lie that, like, nobody gets it, nobody really knows me, I'm alone. And we go in this circle mentally. I have been writing these stories of being alone myself for myself since I was very little. I was a very mentally dramatic little girl. I'm just going to say, maybe you're not surprised at that. But when I was little, like say a friend didn't want to play with me at recess. It wasn't, oh, she doesn't want to play today. It was, 
she doesn't like me anymore. And that means that maybe nobody even likes me and I will never have any real friends. I'm willing to bet maybe I'm not the only person who had felt that way as a kid, right? Something happens and this is the story you tell yourself. When I was a teenager and my first boyfriend broke up with me, I wrote a story internally, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, guys, I'm really not exaggerating this. I wrote a story for myself that I would be forever alone. No one would ever want to date me, let alone marry me. I would be an old spinster, and I was completely unlovable. Like, I'm kidding, I'm not kidding. Like, I'm crying in my bedroom, just like, I am unlovable. I mean, this dude and I dated for, dated for two weeks, and we barely spoke at school. This wasn't, we didn't, we didn't go out, right? We didn't have cars. Like, this wasn't, no. This wasn't a relationship. And yet, that was the story I wrote for myself. When I was struggling in a new job out of college and hurt and wounded by people who didn't believe in me or trust me, I wrote a story of struggling through alone, that I could only count on myself, that I could only trust myself. When I felt far from God, I've gone through seasons where I've said, God, you must have just left me. I can't feel you anymore. Like, I can't feel your presence. I'm not even sure that I hear your voice. What does that even mean? And you must just have just given up on me. You must have left me. I must have done something wrong. And you're just like, I'm out. I'm tired of dealing with this one. Anybody else ever written that story about God? These narratives have plagued my life, and I'm willing to bet that we have experienced a lot of these narratives that we've been writing in our heads too. When people screw up, when we take a wrong turn, when we're the victim or the victimizer, we write a story based on this, that I am alone. And that is a lie. We have been basing stories on lies for too long. When Jesus was on earth, he was very clear about the fact that he was not alone. As a matter of fact, he talks so much about not being alone and having this weird communion with the Father that I'm pretty sure his disciples thought he was crazy half the time because this was a kind of communion, a kind of unity that like, they didn't see, they hadn't experienced yet. In John 8, 29, Jesus says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, that's him, you will know that I'm the one I claim to be and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. What did Jesus experience? Because he knew that he was never alone. Because he was anchored in this truth that he was never separated from the Father. He embodied this kind of communion, but hundreds of years earlier... God gave a revelation to a poet to show them exactly what it looks like to live in communion, this kind of knowing with God, knowing that he is close. And this, the Psalm 23 that we read earlier, this is the perfect, I think, picture of what Jesus experienced in communion with the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. These are the things that Jesus would have been like, yeah. That's what I'm experiencing. Was it because he was perfect? 
I think it was because he just knew that God was with him. I'm not saying Jesus wasn't perfect. I'm saying just maybe we could know that too. Jesus knew that he was not alone. He knew that the Father was constantly encouraging him and guiding him and giving him peace and rest and comfort and never leading him. I believe we have that opportunity to live in community with God the same way. You know, it's easy for me to continue to write these stories of loneliness and isolation and and nobody really gets it and I'm really all alone, but God has already written a different story for me. He's already written a different story for you. When we are in relationship with him, we are not alone. Here's why. So Jesus, when, I mean, when he was doing his ministry, people came to him in droves, right? They wanted, there was something that he carried that people wanted to be around. They came near to him to teach and to, seek, to hear his teaching and to seek healing and, and just be around this like hope he had, this communion that he had within himself. He spoke of a life of peace and joy and provision that could be available to anyone. And that is why everyone was really drawn to him. Not just that this guy was amazing and he was so perfect and wonderful, but that he was saying, you could have this too. That was the crazy part. That others could have what he had. And when he was murdered, people grieved because he was the thing that the world needed. It's like, where did he go? We needed him. But he rose from the dead and he revealed not only that the world would be saved through him, but that his spirit would be with his people forever if they wanted it. The spirit of God was on Jesus and in Jesus, and we have been given that same gift. We would never be alone, not because God's somewhere up in the sky and he's like, yes, I'm with you, right? His spirit actually lives, resides within our spirit. It is the greatest mystery and the greatest gift we could ever get. He actually resides in us. The spirit of the living God is in our spirit. So when we anchor ourselves in the truth that God is with us, that we are never alone, the words from Psalm 23 become true for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I don't have to worry about not having enough. I don't have to worry about missing out on love or belonging. God's not, God's even taking care of my physical needs, let alone the care that he gives to my heart. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. God will give us rest. We don't have to do it all and we don't have to be perfect all the time and we don't have to work, work, work. He carries our burdens. Because he's in us. He makes us lie down in green pastures. Sometimes that's, look, let's rest together. Sometimes that's, sit down and rest. (laughs) Sometimes God has to make us rest. My kids never want to go to bed. But I make an environment for them that is like, look, you are comfortable. We have said good nights. Here is water. And now you have a place to rest if they so choose. We still have the choice, but he gives us everything we need to rest. He gives us peace when peace doesn't make any sense. We were just singing about that. That peace that makes no sense. It's fun to sing it, but like, have you ever experienced peace when you should not be peaceful? That is the spirit of God. That's not in your head. 
He guides me along right paths for his namesake. He guides us. He doesn't just say, hey, I want you to show up over here. He prepares the place that we're going, and he walks with us on the way there. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. You are with me. I will not fear. The fact of the matter is, life is full of pain and grief. And not only that, but there is an evil one who will do anything to convince you that you are alone, to convince you that God is far from you. But the Spirit of God eradicates that fear. It reminds us that we are never alone. We can actually live a life outside of fear. We have these anchors for our soul, these things that we can stake everything on, that God is good, and because he's good, he loves us unconditionally. And there's no greater proof than that, of that than Jesus. And we never, ever have to be alone. If we believe that God is good and we believe that he loves us, of course he's with us. It makes perfect sense. Jesus' death and resurrection changed our eternity Sending his spirit to live in us changed our right now. We can live in eternity right now in communion with God. Right now we get to be complete in him. So these things that we experience when we anchor ourselves in the truth that God is with us, we experience them tenfold now because we have the spirit, his spirit in us. Jesus himself again said in John 16, I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. I would get so mad at this. It is not good that Jesus went away. I would like him right here. I am very confused half the time. And I know he probably wouldn't answer my questions directly because that was the kind of dude he was and it was very frustrating. But I feel like it would be better if he was like physically right here and then I could just, just, you know, just make, do you ever, just like you gotta make eye contact with somebody to like get it? And I just, you can't do that. He's like, it's better that I'm going away. The advocate will not come to you. If I don't go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the advocate to you. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. Man, can you imagine what the disciples thought? Like, oh, good, another one's coming. Like, another dude. That's cool. Okay. But what if Jesus was like, he's going to be inside of you? Like, that's some weird horror film. Kind of weird stuff. That's some predator Right? Like, is it going to be all up in? That's weird. Okay. They had no idea. So here's the thing. What if we begin to change these stories we write for ourselves? And instead of beginning with them with, I'm alone, and no one loves me, and I have nowhere to belong, and God is far from me. What if every story that we have ever told ourselves begins with, I'm not alone. God is with me. I can't promise you it's going to change how the story feels, guys. I can't promise you it's going to make the story magically go away or better. But I can promise that there is a, oh, there is a peace that comes. Knowing I am not alone. God is with me. Now, I recognize saying, well, let's just change the beginnings of our story. God is with me. So this bothers me um, because... I, I bother myself. Do you ever bother yourself? You have a thought. A lot of times when I'm preaching, I'm like annoyed at myself. I'm like, if somebody else is preaching that, I'd be like, that's stupid. So I'm going to take you on my journey. I like don't tell don't tell me to just change my thoughts. 
I don't know about you, can you just like click? Okay, now everything that has ever happened to me, I will insert I was not alone, and now I have no wounds and trauma, and I am very comfortable and I am grieving nothing. If you can do that, can you please bottle it and I will take that potion in a heartbeat. I can't do that. I can say, I am going to believe this. Okay, believe it now, let's do it. And my mind's still, we're still going, man. We're still going a mile a minute, but I feel like, okay, I know God is with me, but I feel alone. I feel like he's far. And I'm sure you've, you know, you may have heard lots of, lots of sermons about feelings and lots of pastors have a lot of feelings about feelings when it comes to faith. But the point of the matter is that feelings are just markers that show us something deeper is happening, right? Something big is going on and we can pay attention to those things. And I don't know about you, but it's really hard for me to just believe something different and then my feelings naturally follow. It is not an easy path. But it is something that is worth fighting for. It is something that is worth fighting for because while my mind does not like to work with me a lot on this, I have experienced the peace that surpasses understanding. I've experienced an indwelling of God in me that is just, I can't explain it. He has rewritten stories for me that were written a long time ago. He's rewritten them for me, where they are no longer stories of loneliness, but they are stories of perseverance and knowing that I'm not alone. The other day, I asked Rob um, if he would love me if I was a worm. (laughs) I did. And his response was, you would be a very interesting worm. And I was like, that's not a yes. Yeah, I'm looking at you. He's wearing pink today. You look like a worm. Yeah. Um, So then I asked him, would you love me if I didn't exist? Okay. Guys, the answer is always yes. Always yes. It's not hard. Yes. Who cares? Science does not matter in this situation. It's always yes. And his answer was... Well, but if you didn't exist, I knew where this was going. I was like, stop right there. You're going to get yourself in trouble. It's always yes. I was pretty much joking. I wanted to see what he would do, kind of, a little bit. I mean, I still, we should talk about the worm thing. I feel like I would be a very attractive worm, but whatever. You like interesting. But I know that... If I mess up and I make a mistake and I and even if when I'm like mean and unkind and, and working through stuff that Rob is not going to leave me. Now, that's kind of a funny thing to say because he totally could. I don't know, man. I can't control him. I can't I, I don't get to to dictate what he does for the rest of his life. So I can stand here and say, I know that Rob will never leave me. And I can also know, like, let's check in in 60 years. I hope, right? 60 the right number? I would be, okay. Sometimes I give numbers. I was like, I'm 200. That doesn't make sense. Anyway. Like, I have this knowing in me, right? But also, like, I don't know. He's still, like, a dude. He's just a human. 
mean, how much more can I rely on God, who is perfect? The God of the universe, right? The one who made me. How much more can I, can I rely on him and just say, yeah, I know you're not going to leave me. Why can I say more confidently that Rob won't leave me than I can sometimes say that God won't leave me? I'm not saying my husband's going to leave me. We're okay. We're okay, guys. I'm just saying I think that there is something we can tap into a knowing when it comes to God himself that he will be with us. I know that I'm worth staying with because I know God thinks I'm worth staying with. I know that. I know that God in his goodness would never do something like leave. Even when I feel isolated and alone, when I want to go back and keep writing these stories of loneliness and separation from God, I just keep starting with, I know that you are with me. I know that you are with me. And here's the thing, this, this knowing, we've got, we've got extra, we've got extra points with it. We've got a boon. We've got special gifts that comes along with it. Whatever we have in communion with God, whatever we have in communion with God, we can also have that with one another in community. Whatever peace we find in him, we find it with those who carry his spirit too. Galatians 4, 6 says, when the time fully came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons and daughters. Because you are sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son. I do this all the time when I'm reading. Women know. We got to make sure we put ourselves in there. God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. You are a kid that belongs to God. You are a child of God. I am a child of God. And we have inherited the riches of peace and comfort and an easy burden. We have inherited the riches of communion with him and community with one another. If we all are all heirs and we belong to the same family, man, that makes us brothers and sisters. And sometimes that incites these like good fuzzy feelings, like, oh yes, look, I've got all of these brothers and sisters. And sometimes not so much because some of our brothers and sisters are jerks, right? We're all capable of it, man. I love my brother, my like blood brother. We, I, we still are like, you can be a jerk though. Sometimes we have pictures that are a little, a little off kilter, a little unhealthy of family. And we say, well, that must be how I should be here. 
But just because it might be hard and it might be messy doesn't make it not true. And so we have to struggle with that and wrestle with that. What does it look like to actually live as family with other people who are following Jesus? Because I want you to experience with me the same thing you experienced with Jesus. When we give and receive in community what Jesus has given when we're saved in community, then this, when we gather together, when we're together in each other's homes, when we're out in the world, Psalm 23 happens again. This is not just an internal thing that we get in our spirit. So then we start thinking about Psalm 23 in the midst of community. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Is there any lack among us? Is there somebody who needs a friend? Is there someone among us who is lonely? Is there someone here who needs a bill paid? Is there somewhere, someone here who needs a job or a car? Is there someone here who needs healing? Jesus can provide that for you through each other, through us. We can be the conduit for that. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. We help one another find rest and peace. We bear one another's burdens. We don't say, man, my life is going pretty good right now, and I don't really want to get in that mess over there, so I'm just going to like, this is a person. Okay, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm going to go be happy now because I don't want to like wreck my vibe. No, we bear one another's burdens. We cry with one another. We reach out to one another. We don't leave each other alone. If somebody says, says no, you, sh you shouldn't want to be with me, you do I'm sure you don't want to be with me. You said, the heck I do. Can I say heck with kids? I don't know. I, don't, I wasn't allowed to say it when I was a kid. But you know what I'm saying. We say, no, I will be with you. I will be with you. He guides me along right paths for his namesake. We can guide one another. We can help each other walk with love and integrity and openness. We can show each other what it looks like to be like Jesus. Not so we can say, oh yeah, you need to be like me, but more like, wow, you seem to have like a lot of peace about this. Will you show me what that looks like? We can give this gift to one another. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'm reading this so many times, you guys are going to have it memorized by the time you leave. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. We don't use fear to manipulate and separate ourselves from one another. We don't use fear to make sure everybody's on this, like, one path, we think. No, we don't deal in fear here. We don't deal in shame. That's not what we are called to do. We unite together knowing that we see the love of God more clearly when we see it in each other. Not just if we're experiencing it alone, but when we see it in each other. Just real quick, Acts 2.44. All the believers were together. This was a moment when the church was like still forming. I'm sorry, my nose is just running. I can't tell if I'm emotional or I have allergies. It's just, this is happening. Anyway, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions possessions and goods they gave to anyone that had need 
and every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That sounds like Psalm 23 to me. Nobody's lacking anything. Everyone is in communion together. Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting when they were all in unity together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. When did the Holy Spirit first come? When God's people were together. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were in one heart and one mind. Does this mean that we would never disagree? I sure hope not. We're going to see things differently, guys. We have different experiences. I am going to disagree with lots of things, that, and you are going to disagree with me. That's okay. Maybe you're like, this chick is crazy right now. That's okay. We can still be in loving community with one another. Like, how do we disagree with one another and still love one another and say, no, you know what? What's more important is that the Spirit of God lives in both of us, and we're going to figure this out together. This is the full picture of what it means that we are never alone. It starts with the truth that God is with us no matter what. His Spirit lives in us. He will not leave you. And then branches out into this truth that we are never alone because we are united. The truth of the matter is, guys, that sometimes it just doesn't feel like God is close. And sometimes this community can feel like the loneliest community. This is just the truth. These things happen because we, we fail one another, one another. We let each other down. Sometimes it's not what it's supposed to be. And we write stories that aren't anchored in truth. And we write stories that were alone and abandoned. But when I'm stuck in a loop of isolation from community and from God, I need to get really honest with myself. That's just what I start with now. I have become very, very honest. So sometimes I'll tell God, I know you are with me, but where are you? Isn't that such a dichotomous statement? I know you're here. But where are you? Anybody else ever felt that? Yeah. Like, I am, I am struggling here from what I know and what I am experiencing. Or just being honest about, like, I know that community can be amazing, but I'm not experiencing that right now. What do we do? What do we do with that? When we get honest with God and with each other and we make space to even say, maybe I'm, I'm hurt, I'm sad. When we get honest, we start to pull apart at this, these threads of these stories that we're writing. It just really starts with being honest about where we're at. So if I start pulling on the thread of like, I, I know that God is with me, but I don't feel that he's with me right now. It just takes out that lie that I have to be alone in it. It takes out a small little lie that I just have to suck it up and figure it out. It takes out the lie that maybe everybody knows something that I just don't get. And then we can see things a little more clearly. When we go to one another and we say, you hurt me. I, I, am, I am wounded. 
by whatever, this thing you said. Instead of writing a story of isolation and abandonment, we take out that thread that says, this person doesn't wanna know me, this person doesn't wanna hear it. I'll tell you what, guys, I've been in the church for a very long time. Sometimes this goes badly. Sometimes you're really honest and somebody's like, I can't, I can't do that with you right now. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna be honest. And that's just, you know, that's hard. And sometimes people aren't there. But it doesn't mean we stop digging into the truth and unweaving these lies we've told ourselves. Because we need each other to be bold. We need each other to be honest. We need each other to start ripping apart these stories that say, I am alone, and helping each other write new ones. A ship doesn't need an anchor when it's on land. A ship doesn't need an anchor when the sea is calm or when it's, you know, strapped to a nice little dock like in a Norman Rockwell painting. A ship needs an anchor when there's a storm. When things are getting crazy, it's really easy to believe that God is with us and that we are for one another when we're just like flying high, when things are feeling good, when life is good. But that's not necessarily what we need these anchors for. We need them for when we are hurt and grieving and when things aren't working and when our prayers feel like they're not being answered and when we feel alone. That is when we need these anchors most. We need them so that we remember that God is close and community was meant for more. And I want to be a part of that story. A people who are anchored in the truth that God will never leave or forsake them are a people who unify together the same way the Spirit of God does in us. We don't have to write new stories anymore. The truth has already been written. It is set in stone. You are not alone. That's your story. The Spirit of God lives in you. Every story of your life has already been written. And we may not know what some of the stories look like, but they begin with, God was with you. So as we start thinking about what this means for us, um, Rob, you can come up. Is Rob here? You can fiddle around. We didn't talk about this before. This is my universal guitar playing. Yep, spirit fingers. Spirit guitar. So two things I want us to be thinking about as we start wrapping up here that I'd like us to like practically start to think about to really let this truth that we are not alone start to sink in. So what is a story that you need to rewrite? Either a story that you're in right now that is just you are, you are telling yourself, I am alone. God isn't with me. I've disappointed God. He's left me. Or maybe a story from your past, man, in that season, I, God was not with me. He left me. Even if it's like, and then I got my stuff together, and like he came back. Like there's still that story that God wasn't with you then. What story do you want to rewrite and begin it with? God was always with me. God had not left me. What story do you need to rewrite? What's causing you grief and pain now? And you're saying, like, I'm not even sure God cares, or I don't see God in this. 
or I don't understand even what he wants me to do. Sometimes we just have to make decisions and we're like, God, I just need you to tell me what to do. Let's start that story right now with, okay, God is with me. God is with me. And even if it's not clear what I should do, God is with me. And even if it still feels painful, I know that he is here. I know that he lives in me. I know he is with me. And begin to see as you rewrite the beginnings of those stories and you tell yourself them over the next coming days and weeks, how this lie of loneliness begins to unravel. Because it will begin to unravel. It is very hard to convince ourselves we are alone if we keep telling ourselves that we're not alone. God will show up a lot of times and not the way we expect, but he will do it. So what story do you want to rewrite? And the second thing is I want us to start thinking about how we can begin to more fully step into each other's stories and help each other write stories of belonging. Stories of community, stories of unity, stories not of abandonment and loneliness. Who is someone that you know that, man, I, I, think, I think I need to step into their story with them and remind them they're not alone? Do you need to reconcile with someone? Maybe there's a hurt, maybe there's a wound, and you have to go to somebody and say, I did not love you well. Or maybe you have to go to somebody and say, I, I feel hurt by you, but I want to figure this out because I think we were made for more. Maybe that's what that looks like for you. Maybe we just need to give someone we know that we're in community with a break. We need to give them help. We need to reach out. Just say, I'm here. Let's, let's be together. I mean, just even if we say, like, we're all together, but, like, then we're never physically, like, together. is like, well, those are just empty words. Who do you need to reach out to this week and say, hey, I am, I am available to you. I care about you. I want to know your story. I want to know what hurts you have. I want to know what joys you have. Tell me about you. Let me enter into your story and bring peace that I have into your story. Guys, why are we carrying around peace and comfort and goodness and love if we can't, like, give it to each other? What's the point? somebody that you want to step into their story with them and help them write a story or even step in before their story is written say oh no you're not going to write a story of loneliness because I will be there with you because God is with us let's just take a few minutes and close our eyes and just be thinking about the stories that you've told yourself something God might be highlighting to you, a place in your life that God wants to remind you you are not alone, or someone he's calling you to, to help them remember. So let's just sit.
thanks Katie for, for that word uh, so good so so good um, one of the things that's just been on my heart to kind of um, close out this evening um, sometimes we in our in our faith um, in our journey we can get into the mode of um, just thinking about what God can do and thinking about what can happen uh, and um, and simply operating on a faith or trust of something that might happen in the future. And that's really good because we do have a faith. Uh, This is our our walk with Jesus is uh, something right now we do, not just what we see and what we experience, but is something that we do by faith and something we can't see. Uh, That said, um, the New Testament believers and many, many believers throughout history uh, have tangibly felt the power and the presence of God in their life uh, in a way that couldn't be taken away. Uh, and so one of the things that I, wanna, I want us to be more aware of and pursue more uh, is the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives uh, that's tangible, that like is more than theory. It's actually something that's like, oh no, something happened. Um, uh, because when that happens for you, uh, that's not any, something that anyone can ever argue with you about. Uh, that is between you and the Lord and is in a powerful, incredible experience. It's actually something that is, uh, happens in the deepest level. And this is 100% biblical. So uh, Katie read Galatians. Uh, the Apostle Paul says something very, very similar in Romans chapter 8. Listen, listen to this and, and how it correlates exactly with what, what Katie already said. This is the spirit you receive. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba. It's almost word for word what he says in Galatians. But then he says this, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. Here's the part that stands out to me. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Here's what that's saying. The spirit of God, which lives in you, can convince you in the deepest, hidden, mysterious places of your life that you are loved by God and he is with you. And it's not just something we think about. It's something we can feel. And so I just want, I would, I want us before we go to have an opportunity for us to ask the Lord to give us that either right now or sometime this week. So if that's something you feel like you would like, would you just stand and would you just put your hands out? Actually, everybody can stand. And so we'll just assume everybody wants this and put your hands out in front of you. And I'm just going to pray a simple, simple prayer. So Holy Spirit, come. And fill your people with an assurance of your love. Fill your people with an assurance of your presence. That they are adopted. That their future is secure. That you are with them and they are part of the family of God. And I pray that every other thought would bow in the name of Jesus. And that today there would be a newness of thinking, a newness of heart. A resurrection that happens in our spirit as we come alive to the truth today. Today, I pray, Lord, that today people would have a conviction in their heart that I am not alone. And I pray that throughout this week people will experience intimacy with you, Lord. 
If you will go to the secret place with the Lord this week, he will meet you. If you will, sp- I'm telling you right now, if you will go and you will spend time with the Lord this week, if you will close the door and wait on him, you will experience his presence. So I pray, God, that you, I, I believe it in faith, Lord, that you want to meet with your people and that you want to pour your spirit out powerfully this week and that you want to put people into a better position, a better posture to receive and give in community. Lord, and I pray, God, that you'll heal all the wounds and and make us be proactive in going after others in the body of Christ. God, that we might really experience the family the way that you meant it to be. Thank you, Jesus. You're really, really good. Let us have an infectious spirit convinced that you go with us. In your name, amen. Next week, I'm going to be talking about how you are sent with a purpose, and it 100% depends on you knowing that God is going with you. So get your boots on. It's going to be a fun week next week. Thank you, Katie. Awesome word. Thank you, worship. You guys are awesome. Go get your kiddos and get out of here.